Hi, I'm Brian Buckhalter, NCSM Awards Chairman, and welcome to Learning with Leaders. We're all math people. Thank you for joining me and my co-host, Katie Arrington, NCSM President-Elect, as we talk with bold leaders and influencers about their math journeys and contributions. Today, we will hear from our special guest about their inspiration, perceptions, and insights about instructional decisions that make mathematics welcoming and engaging to a broad audience. Listen and learn about how beliefs, practices, and policies must continue to advance to ensure that each and every person sees themselves as a capable and powerful mathematical thinker. Hello, listeners. I'm Katie Arrington. Welcome to the NCSM podcast, Learning with Leaders. We're continuing our series, We're All Math People. Today's episode is a chat with two dynamic math ed leaders who I'm honored to call colleagues and friends who dedicate their time and effort to a network that supports other networks, which you'll hear more about in just a few minutes. But first, I want to introduce you to our special guests for today, Denise Thornton and John Staley. Denise Thornton currently serves as the Manager of Professional Learning and Implementation at the Charles A. Dana Center at the University of Texas at Austin. She develops and facilitates professional learning and technical assistance for K-12 and higher education educators and administrators to catalyze school improvements that increase student successes in math and advance college and career readiness goals. John has been in mathematics education for over 35 years. We're privileged to be able to say he's a past president of NCSM. He has done other amazing work such as serving as the chair of the U.S. National Commission on Mathematics Instruction He's spoken at a large variety of conferences and served on many committees and currently serves on several advisory boards. He's a co-founder of Math Milestones and a co-author of several books, including Catalyzing Change in High School Mathematics, Framework for Leadership in Mathematics Education, published by NCSM, and the high school and middle school books of Mathematics Lessons to Explore, Understand, and Respond to Social Injustice. His life, work, and passion continue to focus on changing the narrative about who is seen as being doers and learners of mathematics. Welcome to you both, John and Denise. Yes, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, so happy to be here with you. Oh, we're happy to have you uh, here with us, and we're excited about what you're going to share with our listeners today. Um, although Caden gave us a little insight into your current work, uh, share with our listeners a little, if you will, about your journeys in teaching that have led to your current contributions. I'll hop in there. It looks like John's going to let me go first. So thanks, John. Um, but I started teaching high school geometry and coaching tennis in my hometown of Corpus Christi, Texas, back in 2002. I was a really young and eager teacher at the time, but I had no idea what I was in for, (laughs) as many teachers do. (laughs) Um, Since then, I've taught both middle school and high school in Texas and in California. And then uh, I served as a district math instructional coach um, recently here in Texas. And so while I was in California, I attended California State University Northridge on nights after I was teaching. And I worked on my master's degree in mathematics education. It was such a wonderful and nurturing cohort that I was in. It pushed my thinking in a lot of areas that I really wasn't even aware of. I'm sure we're going to just talk about them today. 
And I remember at the time I shared with one of my professors that I was moving back to Austin and she said, oh, um, there's really great work being done there at this center at the University of Texas called the Charles A. Dana Center. Dr. Uri Treisman is leading it. You, you might know of that. And so at the time, I really didn't know much about the Dana Center. Um, we had done a little bit of research on it and I didn't know it was going to be a foreshadowing of the opportunities that I would have later as part of the team here at the center. So that leads to my current role, like Katie mentioned, as the manager of the professional learning and implementation team. And um, this place is such a challenging place to work at, but um, I'm privileged to work alongside some of the smartest and most hardworking educators. Um, it's where I have had the opportunity to learn from the best. I'm looking at Dr. Katie Arrington right now, a future incoming president of um, NCSM, and then also just the opportunity to work with influential math leaders like Dr. John Staley. And so thanks for making space for us to join today. I'm really honored to be able to share my um, background with you, um, the things we're working on, and, and just have this discussion. So John, I'll pass it off to you. All right, I didn't know you played tennis, Denise, okay. Um, excited to be here. I, I started teaching in Philadelphia, outside of Philadelphia at a juvenile correctional facility for use between the ages of 12 and 18 years old. So that's where my educational teaching journey began. Toured in Philadelphia for a few years before moving to Maryland with my family and then toured in Virginia in high school, um, high school in Virginia, Arlington school system. Um, then moved up to the Baltimore area, taught at a private school for about a year, and then came into Baltimore County Public Schools, where I'm in now um, closing out my 29th year with the school system there. So um, that's sort of been my teaching journey. The other part of being in Baltimore County, I went from teaching middle school, then I taught high school, and then I went into the Office of Mathematics as a secondary coordinator and did that for a number of years and then became director of math pre-K to 12 and led that work really from the transition of um, when Common Core Standards came into place and the Common Core Initiative really led us through and into um, our new set of standards working with that. So that's sort of been my, I guess you call those my daytime job type things. Outside of that, had the opportunity and the pleasure to serve as NCSM's president, um, been involved in with NCTM on a different bunch of different projects there and on different types of committees there um, and the opportunity now to help facilitate and work with closely with Denise and the team there at the Dana Center around the launch years math leadership organization network math LN. so um, that's sort of been the bulk of what I've been doing over these past 35 years or so and I've committed to 22 plus more years because my grandson was born last year and so I got to see him make it through too so that's right Listen, we got that on recording, so. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right. Thank you guys so much for that introduction. And thanks again for being here. So excited to talk with you today. Um, so I mentioned earlier that you, you two work to support a network of networks. And John, you just mentioned the name, the Launch Years Mathematics Organization Leadership Network, or Launch Years LN, Math LN for short. Tell us more about the Launch Years Initiative, the origins of the network, and why leaders join together under this umbrella of the Math Ellen. So I'll hop in and then John, I'll, I'll pass it back to you. But um, okay. 
The Dana Center is currently leading the Launch Years Initiative, and that supports the scaling of mathematics pathways from high school through post-secondary education and into the workplace. And so the pathways that we are promoting are really aligned to students' goals and their aspirations. So in November of last year, we were really excited to kick off the second phase with 20 states joining the initiative. And we also were partnering with national organizations and leaders in mathematics education and educational equity. And so through these 20 states, the Launch Years Initiative really has the potential to directly impact hundreds of thousands of students across the country. So we're really excited to be able to create a movement of many, many educators across the U.S. And so what we all know, the four of us here and all of the listeners, is that our nation's students, particularly students who are Black, Latino, or experiencing poverty, they often experience mathematics as a barrier to finishing their um, post-secondary degree or even getting into a post-secondary institution. And so our big, our big uh, push here is that the Launch Years Initiative and these 20 states are going to work together to change these these realities for students. So as part of the initiative in 2020, back at the Dana Center, we knew we needed to leverage the expertise of the national math organizations. And we established the Launch Years Math Organizations Leadership Network. I say that really slow because I know it's long, but for short, we'll just call it MathLN, like John and Katie mentioned. Um, and so we formed that to bring together mathematics organizations that were really interested in collaborating to strengthen and advocate for work that was improving the experiences and outcomes for students in those transition years, those last two years of high school into the first two years of college. And so the network's charge um, really is focused on using collective power of all of the participating organizations to advocate with their members so that we could promote necessary changes that were occurring at local institutions and systems. And so to lead this work, most importantly, we knew we needed a really dynamic um, thought partner who had deep expertise in catalyzing change. And so who better to partner with than to ask Dr. John Staley to lead this network. So that's how um, we, I had the privilege of working and learning alongside John. And so I'm going to let him jump in and tell you a little bit more specifically about the math Ellen. The, the key part to think about is, um, the, the, the reason why we go do this work and, and the students that are out there that we're doing this work for. So when Denise mentioned that, what we wanted to do was bring the, the power of organizations coming together to collaborate, to build that synergy, and to also help um, multiply the work and the lift of the work. So what we do as an organization is math statistics organizations that are focusing on math education, that are focusing on mathematics or statistics, and they, they've come together over the last, um, this is third year now, to focus in on what do we need to do about the last two years of high school and the first two years of post-secondary school, be it college career, two-year, four-year, um, job training, whatever it might be. How do we best support students as they make that shift and that transition? And how do we, the adults, help do the work to make it a smoother transition? So we've come together um, and been working with the organizations um, for 
more, this is our third year now doing this work together. Um, really looking at how do we go about building structures? How do we go about supporting the work? And this year when phase two of launch year's initiative kicked off that Denise mentioned, we really got behind how do we as organizations help support these states? And so we're looking to position the organizations that are working and others are beginning to join the network also um, with empowering their members so that one, their members are up to speed on what's happening with this work. Their members understand the key resources that have been built and developed and that their members are in position to be their thought partners with the different state people who are doing the work um, and to be there within their own schools and school systems to help push the work forward. So um, really the goal is how do we go about helping create this seamless transition for our students in these critical years, the launch years? Wow, thank you for that overview, both of you all. I was I was taking notes, but my fingers stopped typing and I just had to stop and listen. Um, because to be honest, although we had researched uh, the initiative and the network, just to hear you talk about the scope of the work and the potential impact um, just makes me excited about the work itself. So uh, before we go any further though, you mentioned uh, that the Math LN, the Leadership Network, uh, is composed of other participating organizations. And so I wanna just take a moment and give a shout out, recognize these organizations and their commitment to this work. So uh, the organizations within the Math uh, Organizations Leadership Network right now are the Alliance of Indigenous Math Circles, the American Mathematical Association of Two-Year Colleges, the American Statistical Association, the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators, the Association of State Supervisors of Mathematics, the Benjamin Banneker Association, the Conference Board of the Mathematical Sciences, Just Equations, Mathematical Association of America, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics, NCSM, Leadership in Mathematics Education, and TOTO's Mathematics for All. So thank you guys to your commitment for joining together uh, and banding in this mission and supporting our students from high school to life uh, after the post-secondary world. So I just wanted to make sure we didn't uh, leave that opportunity to applaud those organizations. Uh, all right, so John, uh, during one of your first webinars, uh, you highlighted two major actions that organizations can take in improving the experiences and outcomes for students in those transition years that you spoke of. Uh, the first of those two major actions you mentioned is by making changes on the big scale. And you kind of alluded to some of that as you were telling us about the network. Uh, tell us more though about how the network actually supports those participating organizations and uh, making those big scale changes. What is it that you're hoping that they can get and take back to support those big scale changes? And what type of large scale changes is the network itself seeking to accomplish? Man, you said this was a short podcast, right? About 25 to 30 minutes. <laughs> so let me let me let me start off with the, the big piece. And we've got a call to actions recommendation document that was just, I believe it was April when the pretty final publicized version of it was released. That's one piece where I would point people to to go look at. In that 
um, that those that set of recommendations, what the organizations have done in the first year was sort of put together what we believe are these six recommendations that help um, us think about where we need to go to help make this transition smooth. They relate to everything, and I'm not going to read through them. Um, they relate to everything from instructional practices. They relate to assessment in the process of formative assessment. They relate to some of the structures that we put in place in our systems pre-K to 16. Um, they relate to um, community stakeholders and, and what we need to do for families and students. So what we're thinking and what we put together in the recommendations is targeted and not only thinking about the mathematics educators, but we think about the general educators. So we got some guidance in there for them. We got some guidance for, of course, math and statistical ed community, but students, families, and parents. And a big part of the, the scale is helping build people's awareness of what the issues are and what we need to do, some suggestions and things along those lines to, to support, to advocate for, and to make change. And so when you think big scale, big scale is, um, really, I think, how do we go about, think about what the 20 states are doing that are, that joined the initiative in November. How do we go about helping them build and develop what's needed in place for students going across those, those four, that four-year time period? Last two years of high school, first two years of post-secondary. Um, so when we think big scale, big scale is how do we go about changing that? How do we help with policies? How do we help with structure? How do we help with instructional practice? How do we help with the opportunities and access to different courses and course pathways that students might take? Um, so that one, they connect to their interests, but also they prepare them for their future. So those are the, the key things to think about when we think about big scale. Um, organizations such as an NCSM and my heart is, is there first, you know that part. Um, we love that. How do we think about building and taking, because that's why we had the network of members identify the recommendations. They came out of a series of podcasts and webinars that we had done. Um, and then we created tools that will be coming out soon to help operationalize it. The goal is through communications that the different organizations are gonna do, getting it down to the state level, getting it down to the, the members and their organization's hands so that they can be there as that support for their state teams that go about doing this work. Whether or not state teams are part of this work formally or some are not part of the, the initiative, everybody's dealing with what happens to students as they go across from high school and beyond. So we need to get it out across the states um, to really help support and not just across the states because this issue happens also across North America and other places also. So we know this can be a benefit not only to hear what's happening stateside, but also Canada, our colleagues up there up north, um, and our colleagues that, you know, are around the world. Yeah, I'll echo that too, John, is the most common question we get from our launch year state partners is, what are the other states doing about this? You know, and they'll give a very specific question about the transition space or implementing changes for pathways. And all they wanted, they they wanted to join the initiative, these 20 states, because it was access to 19 other state 
partners that are probably going, you know, trying to solve the same problems um, in their state as they are in other places. And so I'll add to what John was saying, um, something to emphasize about the math LN, um, like I mentioned earlier, is that charge of using the collective power of the organizations to advocate with their members is really key here. So that depends on sanctioned leaders from organizations. So when we look at the network members, we requested initially that um, each organization uh, bring forward three members from from their group, and one of one or two of those at least needed to people to be folks that were holding office, right? So those sanctioned leaders from the organizations that had the authority to make commitments on behalf of their organization was really critical in engaging in this network. And so the, the folks from each organization are not acting as individual math leaders, but as representatives. And so that helps create a, a, break, a bigger movement, right? And then in addition to serving as leaders, a lot of our organization members um, serve as maybe leaders of a state agency, Right. So that plays an important advocacy role in this launch year's work, because um, we also are, have like the ability to tap into um, what their different perspectives are. And that helps us provide resources and tools to those teams to further their transition work. And so I think what we've heard from our state agency leaders is that the policies and practices that the math LN encourages state and local systems to enact help them implement changes, again, that lead to improve outcomes for students. And so those call to action recommendations, the supporting tools that we're gonna publish um, later in the summertime on our Dana Center website, those will be really important resources for, for teams um, that are trying to implement changes. I love that take on collective action. I was just with a group of state leaders yesterday and everything from structures to just language using to talk about it right how do we how do we talk about this with our state leaders with our legislators with our state boards those kinds of things the power that comes from that collective um can can really be beneficial in those individual states and, and um, Katie, if I can add to what you just said, yeah, the, the, the key absolutely. part is, um, and this is sort of like the work we did the first year was help share and build our collective knowledge. Yeah. And so we had people who had started off with the work in the, the first round of launch years with them, and they moved into um, supporting and providing structures and, and providing support and background information that helped us. So as, as different states are grappling with whatever it might be, there's there's someone who might have already gone down the road a little bit who we can point them to, we can connect them with. And so that's a good, a big part of what we try to do and what we've tried to do as far as building a network, a network where, hey, I've got this question, I got this issue, and we're like, boom, who's yeah. on board, who's on first, who's on second, <laughs> who can help you with what it is that you're doing. And can I just, you know, I hear beyond the network, I hear relationships really being built, uh, especially between, John, as you just stated, you know, maybe some people who are a little bit further in their journey um, in this work and, you know, people who maybe don't have direct connections to other states or national platforms to know, you know, what's happening there. So just being able to foster these relationships 
uh, I can't tell you how valuable they've been to me as a teacher, as a coach, as a leader, as a person. Um, and I'm looking at you, John, just thinking about uh, the relationship that you and I established the very first time I met you. And yeah. you reached out at a summer leadership academy and sat with me. Yeah. And he created a plan for a school that I was struggling to coach. And, you know, I was able to go back and implement that plan and see the results more than anything. And just that moment for me was like my connection to this bigger picture of how do I support the people I engage with every day. Uh, and so I'm happy to say that, you know, I credit you. Uh, with part of my journey and not just in NCSM, but uh, in just the work that I love to do on a day-to-day basis. So I appreciate y'all creating like this, this atmosphere, this space where we can really connect with one another uh, on human levels and really build the relationships to support the people that we're supporting. Brian, thank you very much. And I think a big part of when you talk about relationships, the organizations have worked together in different capacities on different topics, different issues, uh, really about mathematics education. A key part of what we've also begun to see is them coming together on different avenues in regards to especially this transition time period. And so the transition year time period for students. And so trying to bring that focus synergy to that, because sometimes those last two years, the high school years and what happens to students in high school gets put to the wayside because so much focus is on K to eight and K to algebra that, you know, what happens beyond that piece is is sort of what um, we don't build build work around and build momentum around. So the, the relationship piece is, is a big one and, and seeing the different teams that came together because in year two, we asked the organizations to give us more people you know, and organizations, because we had six different working groups, one for each recommendation, and three to four people on each of those teams, they came from the extras. And many of the organizations had three, four, five people in there rolling up their sleeves with us to do the next, which is the tools that Denise mentioned that will come out later. Um, so it's, it's, the, the benefit of being virtual gave us that space to really bring people together. The excitement of it is when you step into face-to-face opportunities now and you can see people in 3D versus in the 2D world. That's that's <laughs> the exciting piece about the work as we continue to do this work. I couldn't tell John I was six feet anymore, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea, but the, the, my number was up, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Denise, you mentioned when we first uh, started the recording, uh, Uri Treisman, who of course leads the Dana Center, Dr. Treisman is always talking about how important it is for us to build relationships and really work on getting clear about where we agree on things and the things that we agree about. So this um, leadership network seems to give us that opportunity, right, to, to come together as leaders so that we have a voice and that there's not just a void of what should be happening. There's clear direction. There's clear uh, thoughts about what we might be doing, what we should be doing. And of course, there's some things that we disagree on, but as a whole, there's a lot that we can do for the profession by just making it clear um, what agreement there is. And I think I think that's a really great thing. Um, you, you talked a little bit about how to use these tools and resources that you guys are producing at a big level, right? For um, 
for change at scale um, on a large level. But uh, you also mentioned in the webinar uh, that we need local change agents. So what do these things look like in action um, on the local level? Let's, let's give an example. Um, when you think about some of the structures that you might have in your school and your school system that relate to supporting students' needs with continued learning. Um, and notice I said their, their needs with continued learning, not going back and trying to fill in gaps or anything like that or quote unquote learning loss, but it's continued need, which has been there forever for many students. Um, it's, it's recommendations and in, in part of our resource sort of gives people um, a couple, because what we try to do is narrow it, not give them so much that they don't know where to start, but give them some starting points for some ways to help structure those types of opportunities you might design. So on a small scale, local level, if I were working in my school system and this was an issue I was dealing with, I can look to the resource say, oh, here's two or three resources that they point out. They sort of give a little bit of a recommendation to say, hey, consider using it this way or using it that way, and I can use it at the local level. What our goal is as we work with organizations, different organizations will go with it in different structures. Some will be doing something similar to what you might be doing as a podcast. Some will be doing some webinars around it. So some more webinar work will come out there. Um, some will, as you go to different conferences, they will be doing a presentation that relates to this work within the conference. So their members at conference level face-to-face -face, get hands-on opportunities to engage with it. And as we roll out the tools, so coming next fall, um, when the conference circuit starts up again, what you will begin to see is not only sharing about what the network has been done doing, but also sharing about the next, which is these, these tools. But with this targeted thought process of having people, I want to say stand up in the sense of if I'm working in a state that is part of the launch years initiative, I want to let that state team know that, hey, I'm on board. I understand what's going on with this transition work. I'm learning about the tools also, and I have an understanding of this tool. So if you need me, hey, tag I'm it. Get me on a part of your committee, your work there. So really it's about how do we build at the, the ground level capacity, skill, and, and, and energy so that the ground level up can help support the work that the, the team, the state team is doing to make the changes in the, in the adjustments that are needed. I love that, the, the skills and the knowledge and the energy and the urgency, right? Yeah, and I would say also, when we started 2023, John and I really, um, you know, took some, met with uh, several of the network leaders and reevaluated what our math LN goals were for the year. And so, what we landed on was that we're going to focus our efforts immediately on outreach opportunities, like John said. So how can we mobilize action across all sectors and stakeholder groups? And so the first of that was, again, you'll hear us um, emphasize, we're refining and sharing tools with the broader public. And so we plan to release those MathLN call to actions um, and the supporting tools publicly on the Launch Years Dana Center website this summer. So people can Google or can use whatever search engine and type that in, and they should be able to click directly on the recommendations and supporting tools themselves. 
The second is, again, focusing our collective efforts on preparing outreach so that our MathLN organization members are equipped to facilitate conversations that support the transition work. And so we're so excited. We have a, a session coming up at NCSM in DC. And so we're eager to be able to see people in person and share about the work that is going on. And then Brian, you mentioned earlier something that I think is even more important than the initiative itself. And that's um, promoting ongoing collaboration among not only national math organizations, but local change agents. So they need to be able to see that they have resources, local change agents have resources. It might seem like these, uh, you know, unreachable people to talk to because they hold national positions, but they're not. They are near you. They have regional chapters. They have local chapters that you can um, get in touch with and, and somehow that will trickle down, right? And we want this work to continue well beyond the life of the Launchers Initiative. We have the opportunity because we have the the funding and, and um, the ability to convene people right now. But our hope is like what you mentioned, Brian, establish collaborative partnerships now that are going to continue into the future because you can't do the work alone. You got to have the, the help of others. And so this is just one way to get the ball rolling and make a bigger movement um, that, that continues. And, and part of what Denise just shared about at the local level, so it's the national organizations are thinking about and have been working, not just thinking about, doing the work of how do they share this out with their affiliates? How do they get this out to their state organizations and below? You know, if you've got a, a math or statistics or educational group and you're a part of one listening to this, the goal is to get this work down to you. So it's in your hands and the organizations are being strategic about how they get it out there. Um, and doing it in multiple ways. So that's the key part. It's not about the leaders of the national level knowing this work. That's not enough. It's about getting it down to John, the teacher in that classroom so that it can bubble up from him. And the organizations are pushing in on that to help get that to their members. And those who aren't members yet, and I'll say that. <laughs> yes. yes, always looking at Awesome. Uh, man, this is great. Like, I'm just getting excited just knowing um, just there's another avenue of support um, that's full of people and organizations that are ready to support you. You know, hearing you say, John, we want to get this out uh, to the local levels is exciting. Um, thinking about a lot of people who even may be working as singletons, wherever they are, yeah. you know, here, here's your family, here, here's your network, uh, here's your support. So, um, okay, I want to back up just a little bit. I'm going to zoom out just for a second for this question. So the title of our series, this series of Learning with Leaders podcast is We're All Math People. Um, how does the network contribute to ensuring greater access to and success in mathematics? And what would you all say personally to anyone, leaders, teachers, students, parents, who may not yet see themselves as a math person. You want me to take this one first, Denise? I, I would say, I was, let me start. If you, if you don't see yourself as a math person, I would say that's okay. And the reason why I would say that's okay is because in some cases, your experience 
has made you be like, ooh, I don't think I can. Hmm, maybe. And, and, and what's really happened, unfortunately, is that the experiences of what you've gone through have gotten you to where you are now. What I would say is it, draw a line in the sand. Um, matter of fact, pour concrete in it, make the line stick. <laughs> and, and and step into another space and embrace and and reach out to others who are about helping you understand math for your next. And the reason why I say math for your next because all of us engage with math in some capacity. If you work any kind of job, you deal with math um, because you get paid or you want to get paid, and you you want your money to be right. I'll just start right there. So. For those who um, you might not see yourself in that space as being a math person or math people, you are. Just draw the line and keep on moving. For those who are, are teachers and you're doing the work and, and that all and all of that work, what I would continue to have you think about is um, when we think about our students pre-K to 12 experience and beyond, right? Anywhere along that trajectory could have been bumps in the road. And so when they land in our class, no matter what grade level it is, beyond pre-K, right? Just think, hmm, I'm not sure what happened and what experiences they have gone through, but when they are with me, I'm going to help prepare them better to be better and to think about themselves as a math doer, creator, thinker for their next. So I want them to go on to their next feeling a whole lot better than how they came to me so and the reason why I say think back to their experience because in a K to 12 even a K to 6 you could have just had one year in there where man things just went sideways it's up to us as the next teacher that they come into to help write the ship and help that person that student regain their confidence reestablish their math identity and their sense of agency so they're ready for their next. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that, John. That's why I like having the opportunity to work with John. <laughs> you know, sometimes I forget I'm supposed to do work because I'm just listening to him share his, you know, positive and and positive words and it's it's always helpful. So thanks, John. I'm taking notes too, you know. Um, <laughs> I would say, Brian, if uh, if I'm thinking about somebody that said that they don't see themselves as a math person, I think I would point out that learning and doing math is really beyond being born with talent or a natural gift at math. It takes a lot of practice. And even more importantly, it takes a lot of mistakes. And so um, my mom is on my mind. Uh, she recently passed. And I think about how she was a very strong-willed, strong-minded Filipino woman who instilled in me this mindset of hard work and perseverance. And she was unwavering in all areas of life with that, you know, uh, with that sentiment. And so she constantly reminded me that all skills, whether that is playing sports, doing something physical, or it was mental, such as getting better at math skills, like calculating the tip on your restaurant bill. That's beyond being born with the talent. 
right? And everybody has access to success and knowledge by working at it. So every time we'd go to a restaurant, she would tell me, okay, the total of the bill is this, calculate in your head 15%. And I had to practice at it. It took me a long time when I was young and then I got better at it. And so I carry my mom's mantra with me today and I encourage others to do the same that might not see themselves as math people. Um, that effort and determination can give you the, abil the ability to improve. And so whether you think you're a math person or not, keep making some mistakes, keep, keep practicing and, and it'll get better. Denise, a beautiful tribute to your mom. Love that. Thank yes. you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, she she figured she'd have a hand in today's conversation. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, you both just dropped the whole servant on us, and I was over here, amen, and uh, head nodding. <laughs> this idea, John, I love it about you know it's not what you were good at, what you weren't good at in the past. You know. Uh, Pour the concrete and let the past be the past. Uh, kind of reminds me of that that saying, like you can't move forward looking in the rearview mirror. You know, like, let that be what it's going to be and move forward and make a new story. And um, just Denise, you sharing uh, this idea that you know it's beyond being born a math person. You know, how do you navigate the world, yeah. which is filled with mathematics? Uh, let that dictate your story of being a math person. It's powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, you guys, we're coming up on time. Um, I so appreciate the thoughts that you've shared with us today, the information about the work that you're doing and the impact it's going to have. I just, it's incredible work that is appreciated and um, so necessary for so many students and educators out there. Thank you for what you're doing and thank you for being here today. I want to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you. Um, Denise, you mentioned earlier, if you search for launch years uh, at the Dana Center, they have a website. Um, you can find it pretty quickly just by Googling. Is there any other uh, references? You mentioned you're going to be at NCSM at the conference. <laughs> Anything else you guys want to mention about how people might find out more? We'll be at the conference, but um, also the, the, the easiest way is to search and, and go to the Dana Center website. Um, for the launch years initiative, you'll see the math LN um, link there. Click on that link, find out information. It's a contact information also there um, because what we want to do, and now, and now we know the power of being able to share a lot of this work virtually, we want to connect with you and help you through this process. We want to get you connected to others who are doing the work. Um, because the support is out there, the momentum is growing, the network continues to grow. We've got new members coming in for our next meeting, which will be in June, and excited about this work. Um, so go to the website. That's probably the best place to go. But also, if you're at a conference, come check out one of the sessions that Denise or myself might be doing, or one of the organizational members, because the organizational members who are part of the network are the ones doing some of these sessions at their own conferences to help their members gain the broader understanding of what's happening with the Launchers Math LN. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Oh, Denise. I was just going to say you did a great job of sharing all of our different ways to get in touch with us. <laughs> yes, definitely go check it out. It's Launchers. It's Dana Center. 
It's the Math Organizations Leadership Network. So please check them out. I know I'm coming to the session at the conference. Can't wait. Thank you guys again for being here. Thank and listeners for having us. Yes. Absolutely. Listeners, we'll see you next month. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Bye. We hope that you have been inspired by this bold mathematics leadership conversation and will tune into our podcast series each month. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. You can learn more about NCSM, Leadership and Mathematics Education, and our upcoming professional learning events on the NCSM website, mathedleadership.org. You can also follow NCSM on Twitter at mathedleaders and using the hashtag NCSMBold. Until next time.